out of sin and how it clings to us. It's very tenacious. Uh, doesn't want to let go. And we find as we go along here, it just gets harder and harder and harder. We came down to chapter 9. <clears throat> We've had uh, four plagues here. Three of them were on the Israelites as well as the Mitzriamites. The fourth one, uh, God made a separation, which I think will be the case again uh, here in the end time that God will allow people to go through a certain amount, and we might as well expect that, and then He will make a separation and make a difference. I don't know that to be the case, but He does uh, work in patterns, and uh, it has never been easy for any generation of God's people, whoever they were, whenever they were called. He has not made it easy for anyone, so I don't know why we should think that it would be easy for us. Why Why are we any more special? And in fact, as I look back and I see the men of old and the women of old who were obedient to God, I don't feel very special at all. <laughs> I feel like one of these sinners here. So, uh, we have our fight to fight. <clears throat> anyway, picking it up in chapter 9, after Pharaoh had hardened his heart for the fourth time, God said to Moses, Go and tell him, Pharaoh, that the Lord God of the Hebrews uh, need to be let go. And if you refuse to let them go and hold them still, uh, the hand of the Eternal is upon your cattle, which is in the field, on the horses, the asses, the camels, the oxen, the sheep. And there should be a very grievous murrain. Uh, and that... I don't know exactly what that is. I may have at one time, but it's something that's uh, life-threatening. It does kill. The Eternal shall sever between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt, and there shall nothing die of all that is the children of Israel. So we know that he makes a separation and protects his people. Now, we do have Scripture's showing here in the end time he is going to make a separation and protect his people. Just at what point that is remains to be seen, but he is going to do it. So what we're reading here is true for today. Uh, and the Eternal appointed a set time, saying, I'm going to do this thing. And he did it in verse 6, And all the cattle of Egypt died, but of the cattle of the children of Israel died not one. Now, it says all here. I, I should look that up in the Hebrew because they didn't all, every animal in Egypt, die that night because we'll see as we go on through, there's two or three times more where it's mentioned that there were still cattle and they were still dying of other things. So, <clears throat> it may have been a majority of them, but it, the, the translation there is probably a little bit poor. Uh, maybe you shouldn't say the majority or most or, or something like that because... Uh, the story can't contradict, and it does talk about cattle a little longer, a little further along, we'll see here. Anyway, Pharaoh sent a messenger, and he didn't see any of the Israelite cattle dead. And he hardened his heart again in verse 7. Uh, so God told Moses to speak to Aaron and take hands full of ashes of the furnace, 
and sprinkle it up in the air in front of Pharaoh. Ashes are pretty fine after you burn wood down. And uh, it shall become small dust and shall be a boil breaking forth with blains upon man and upon beast throughout all the land of Egypt. So they did that. And the magicians in verse 11 couldn't even stand up because of the boils. Uh, they were so painful and apparently so many of them they were standing right there when he threw it all up in the air, probably, because they were there to try to duplicate these things still, and uh, they couldn't even stand up. <clears throat> and he got his heart hardened again right there. So he told Moses, get up early in the morning, go to Pharaoh again. Pharaoh's probably getting pretty tired of seeing these two people. He says, tell them to let me go, let us go. He says, for I will at this time send all my plagues upon your heart and upon your ser servants and on your people, that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. So God is going to show them that he is God. There are many scriptures that show he's going to show the whole world that he is God here at the end time as well. So the parallels between this story and what we are experiencing and about to experience is the same. And he said, tomorrow this is going to happen. <clears throat> so the Lord did that thing on the morrow, and all the cattle of Egypt died. But of the cattle of the children of Israel died not one. So here again, all the cattle die. Uh, well, obviously it wasn't all at this point. Then we go down to number 6, verse 9. Uh, oh, let's see, I guess I already, already covered that. We got past the boil. Now we're, we're supposed to be over here on the other page. We don't have to go through it twice, do we? Here he says he's going to stretch out his hand in verse 15 and have a pestilence, and you'll be cut off from the earth. A pestilence kills people, a lot of them. Uh, so what he's doing here is absolutely destroying the whole empire. Uh, he's killing... Nearly all the animals, a lot of the people are dying. Uh, we'll see as he goes on, uh, he destroys almost everything that's there. And uh, verse 17, As yet exalt yourself against my people, that you shall not let them go. Is he going to do that? So they have the pestilence. Now we come to number 7. <clears throat> and he says, Behold, tomorrow about this time I'll cause it to rain a very grievous hail such as not been in Mitzrayim since the foundation thereof, even until now. You've been in a hailstorm? I'm sure we all have. A lot of us are here from Texas. I know you have. And uh, I've seen them as big as softballs. Not all of it, but a few. And then the book of Revelation, it says there'll be, uh, there'll be about 120 pounds. That's, that that had to be a pretty good size hailstone. So I don't know how big these were. <clears throat> but he said to gather their cattle, everything in the field, and all the people, bring them home, and put them under shelter, or they'll die. So the ones, verse 20, that feared the word of the Eternal among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the houses. They still weren't going to admit God. They weren't going to obey God. But they were getting scared of him. <laughs> the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
So they're, they're beginning to get a little wise here. And some stayed in the field and left their cattle in the field. So then he told Moses, Stretch forth your hand toward heaven that there be hail upon man, beast, and upon every herb of the field throughout the land of Mitzrayim. So he's going to destroy any crops. We'll see trees, everything. So he stretched his rod toward heaven, and there was thunder and hail, and fire ran along the ground. Lightning that was just flickering along the ground, apparently, throughout the land. And he stretched forth his rod toward heaven, and there was thunder and hail and the fire along the ground. Uh, there was hail and fire mingled with the hail, very grievous, such as there had never been since it became a nation. Went through, uh, verse 25, the hail smote all the land, man and beast, every herb of the field, and broke every tree of the field. Had to have been some pretty good-sized hailstones, I'd say, to break the trees down, break all the branches and the limbs off. So cattle, people, vegetation, <clears throat> only didn't hail in Goshen where Israel was. This time they didn't come back to Pharaoh. Pharaoh sent and called Moses and Aaron. He said, this time I've sinned. The Lord is righteous and I and my people are wicked. So he's, he's turning loose just a little bit, isn't he? Or is he? <laughs> he, he says, oh, I've sinned. Uh, boy, entreat the Lord so there might be no more of this thunder and hail. I'll let you go and you shall stay no longer. Sin will lie to you and tell you something and not true. Our emotions, our feelings, our thoughts... Our humanness will lie to us, and Satan will certainly lie to us. He's going to do lying signs and wonders for the whole world to see, and they'll think he's God. Are you going to be deceived when you see lying signs and wonders? They're going to be pretty miraculous. He's going to call fire down from heaven. There was fire from heaven right here. <clears throat> this was God doing it, but we know that Satan is going to call fire from heaven too, or at least the beast and false prophet who were under Satan's spell. So he made out like he was repenting. He was hoping that uh, maybe they'd go away and leave him alone, maybe. So verse 29, Moses said to him, As soon as I am gone out of the city, I'll spread abroad my hands. All this will stop. But as for you and your servants, I know that you will not yet fear the eternal God. So Moses lets him know, You may say you've sinned, and you may say you're going to let us go, but I know better. Uh, you're, you're not going to fool me at this point. And then it talks about all of the grains uh, were smitten. So Moses went out, spread his hands, and it stopped. And then Pharaoh saw it stop. And he sinned yet more and hardened his heart, he and his servants, verse 34. And he wouldn't let them go. So he had lied. No way. So Moses says, go to Pharaoh again. I've hardened his heart. And, and I'll show you signs before him that you may tell in the ears of your son, of your son's son, what things I have worked in Mitzrayim and my signs which I have done among them, that you may know how that I am the Eternal. 
<coughs> now, what difference does it make for him to pass this story along if it doesn't have meaning for the future? If it was just past history and never going to happen again, uh, what's the point? But it was going to happen again. It is going to happen again. Verse 3, Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go. And if you don't, tomorrow we'll have some locusts. we got another, another little goodie picked out for you here. <laughs> uh, seems no end of problems. We'll cover the face of the earth. You won't be able to see the earth. They'll eat the residue of that which is escaped, which remains from the hail. So the hail knocked it all down, beat it all up. Now the locusts were come, going to come and devour every green thing left. Just brown Sahara Desert, I guess, is what it would have looked like. Not that this was in the Sahara, don't get me wrong. I, I do believe it was over here. Pharaoh's servant said to him in verse 7, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let them go, that they may serve the eternal their God. Know you not yet that Egypt is destroyed? Don't you realize what this is doing to our economy, to our nation, to our people? That it's, it's completely destroying the empire. You know that fits, doesn't it? What is God going to do at the end of times here? He's going to turn the angels loose, then he's going to turn the seven last plagues, and most life on earth is going to be destroyed. Every empire will be destroyed. And then Satan is going to be bound so that he can't influence people anymore. So what's happening here is reflected later on. I said I wouldn't go there. I, I don't, I'm not going to the Scriptures, but I'm kind of giving the story away. But you're smart enough. You already know that. It's destroyed. But Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go serve the eternal your God. But who are they that shall go? He says, Well, okay, let's make a deal here. I'll, I'll do it. But who's going to go? Moses said, Well, go with our young, our old, our sons, our daughters, our flocks and with our herds will we go, for we must hold a feast to the eternal. Now that must have sounded strange to Pharaoh, because they were asking to go three days' journey, and Pharaoh told them, don't go far and come back. But if they were going to take the whole kit and caboodle, you'd get the idea that maybe they weren't coming back. You know, you packed the U-Haul, you didn't just put in your toothbrush. And he said to them, Let the Eternal be so with you, as I will let you go, and your little ones look to it, for evil is before you. This isn't going to work out well for you, but go ahead. Not so. Go now, you that are men, and serve the Eternal, for that you did desire, and they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. So he said, Go, and then he apparently told his servants and his soldiers and his guards that were there, Run them out. So they probably got run up at the point of a sword here. Then verse 12, The Eternal said to Moses, 
stretch out your hand over the land of Mitzrayim for the locusts, that they may come up upon the land and eat every herb of the field, even all that the hail has left. So God knew he wasn't going to let them go, even though Pharaoh said go and ran them out of the palace. So he went ahead and sent the locust. And an east wind all that day and all that night, and in the morning the east wind brought the locusts. They went over all the land, and no such locusts, neither after them shall be such. There are times over in Africa when they have terrible plagues of locusts that eat everything in sight. But uh, apparently it's never been as bad since as it was right here, probably anywhere on the earth. So they covered the face of the whole earth so that the land was darkened, 15. They did eat every herb of the land, all the fruit of the trees which the Sahel had left, and there remained not any green thing in the trees or in the herbs of the field or all the land. Then Pharaoh called them in haste. <laughs> Send a messenger, ride a horse, hurry. And he said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Does this sound like your prayers and mine sometimes? We keep coming back and saying, oh, I've sinned, forgive me. Next day, oh, I've sinned, forgive me. Uh, are we really intent on stopping it, or do we just keep whining and, and uh, asking for forgiveness? Well, we're human, and I, I know we're not get to, going to get to the point where we don't sin at all. But he does say to overcome and enter into the kingdom of God. So you can't keep coming back forevermore with the same old thing and never changing anything. Something's got to change in all of our hearts and minds and our thoughts. As Moses, I mean, uh, Pharaoh now is starting to admit, yeah, oh, I sinned, I sinned, but you don't see him doing anything about it. In fact, you won't see him doing anything about it throughout this whole story. And he finally dies at the Red Sea because he will not turn loose. So if you're expecting him to turn loose here, uh, your expectancy is not good. Human nature and the devil will not turn loose of us as long as we breathe air on this earth. That's just a fact. So we have to be eternally vigilant until our change comes. Anyway, uh, he said he'd sin, verse 17. Now therefore forgive, I pray you, my sin only this once. It's the last time. Uh, just, just forgive me this one time and entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me this death only. And Moses went out and treated the eternal. And then the west wind came and blew them all into the sea. Got rid of all the locusts. So, Pharaoh said he'd repent, so God got rid of every locust. But then his heart was hardened, and he wouldn't let them go once the locusts were gone. Funny how that sin and temptation and repentance cycle works. You know, when you're tempted, you'll let your mind go somewhere, you'll let it get where it shouldn't be, and maybe you'll do something you shouldn't do. But during that temptation phase, it's so difficult 
It's so difficult. And you might even have the emotion, well, if I just go ahead and do it, then I won't be tempted. I won't be going through this anymore. But if you give in and go ahead and think or do whatever it is you were thinking or wanting to do, then starts the next phase, which is the bad conscience, and forgive me, finally. And then you finally feel good and think, boy, that's behind me now. I got that, got that whipped. And then temptation comes back. So it's kind of a catch-22, you know, and whatever, whatever thought processes, whatever selfishness, whatever covetousness, whatever idolatry we might have, it's cyclical like that. You, you keep going through those phases. And at some point, you have to throw a monkey wrench in there and get enough of God's help to break that cycle and stop that particular sin, whatever it might be. And maybe then you can start working on another one. But it's very, very difficult for us to do and each human mind is a little different. I mean, most most sins are common to most people. I mean, the Ten Commandments, pretty simple. But sometimes we have a certain weakness that is greater than other weaknesses we might have. And those are the ones that we seem to fight the most. Maybe you're just plain lazy. Uh, you know, that can become a sin too, because we're supposed to be zealous and active and and we're supposed to uh, do what we do with our might and with zeal. And if we're lazy and the roof's fallen in, <laughs> you know, that becomes a sin of omission. Not commission, but omission. You omit to do what you should do. So you have to break it. And the only way we can is through the Spirit of God. Because humanly, we just don't have the willpower the drive, the ability uh, to do it. I know people in this world sometimes make resolutions and sometimes they make some changes. So I'm not saying you can't change anything without the Spirit of God. But anything spiritual and spiritual changes, you need help. And the other problem is you have the cycle with maybe one of your difficulties and you think you got it under control it's like bobbing apples. You get this one pushed under and you think it's under control, so you're going to go and bob this one. About the time you get this one pushed down, that one comes back up. So this is, this is an endless deal that we're, we're fighting here. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can save me from this body of sin and death, Paul said. And then he immediately answered, only Christ can do it. So that's our only hope. Anyway, uh, he hardened his heart again, verse 21. The Eternal said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Mitzrium, even darkness which may be felt. Not just sort of dark, but I mean like you're in your coffin dark. Uh, no light whatsoever. Or as the old rancher used to say, Dark is the inside of a cow. I've never been on the inside without opening the cow first, but I imagine it's pretty dark. <laughs> There's a lot of different ways to express it, maybe. 
Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. It wasn't just dark, but it was thick in such a way that it felt, you could feel it. I, I've never experienced that kind of dark. When there's no moon on a cloudy night, we had new moon Bible study, and I tried to get home. I need a flashlight, because if there's no light over there, I can't, I can't see. <clears throat> it can be pretty dark on a, a moonless night, and the stars cut out, too. But to feel the darkness, uh, it, it, it would incite panic, I'm sure. A lot of people are afraid of the dark, and if we got that dark, man... Something's going to get you when it's that dark. I remember when I was a kid, it was about a quarter mile or more to my grandparents' house, and and I'd walk home at night sometimes. And uh, the closer I got to home, I knew whatever it was that was behind me was going to get me. And I'd walk faster, and I'd walk faster, and then I'd get to the fence, and I'd be in a panic to get through the fence, get barbed wire stick on me, cross the lawn, and by then I'm running and I jump on the porch because I know that headless man or whatever it is back there is going to get me. And it wasn't this dark. So a lot of people just completely panic and go nuts uh, when it, in, in the darkness. So we can only imagine what this must have been like. It was thick darkness for three days, day and night, no light whatsoever. They saw not one another, neither rose any from his place for three days. It was so dark, you, they couldn't even get up and move around. They just sat right where they were for three days. That's a, That would probably be called a fast. <laughs> you can't get up and move around, you can't get anything to eat. Besides that, if you go out to get something out of the garden, it's already been ruined by the hail and the locusts anyway. They, they, were, they were coming down close to starvation here, the whole nation. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. They probably used candles. But did God make the darkness so thick that you couldn't light a candle? I, I, I don't know. You had to have oxygen to breathe. But uh, they sat in their one spot. For three days. Pharaoh called to Moses and said, Go, you serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be stayed. Let your little ones also go with you. So he, at this point, realized that nearly everything in Mitzrayim was dead. And that their cattle had survived and their crops had survived. So he said, Take your families, take everybody, but you, you leave your animals here. And maybe at this point now, his advisors had let him know, there isn't anything left. We don't have anything to eat. And Moses said, you must give us also sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our cattle also shall go with us. There shall not in hoof be left behind. For thereof must we take to serve the eternal our God, and we know not with what we must serve the eternal until we go there. He wasn't going to bargain. Don't bargain with sin. It'll get you. 
You know, you start making a deal with something. Well, maybe just a little of this, or maybe just a little of that, or maybe, you know. No, he says, forget it. Everything's going with us. Not one hook is going to be left behind. When we go to serve God, we're going to serve wholeheartedly. And maybe he'll want everything we've got. Isn't that what he tells us? We have to give up everything to serve him. Land, homes, children, relatives, everything might be required of us. We don't know for sure just exactly how much will be required, but some of our kids, some of our family might come with us when things get bad and we have to, and people start coming. I don't know. Some won't. Then you just got to leave them behind. I don't think any of my kids will come. Now God might lay it on their heart to, because they know this is the truth. At least some of them do. And, uh, they know that if they ever got involved with church, they'd be with us. They tell people that. <laughs> I'm not ready to, to commit myself at this point, but, I mean, my daughter used to manage a bank and people would come in and invite her to go to their church. No, I'm not interested right now, but if I ever go to church, it'll be dad and mom. So, you know, there's a little hope there. <laughs> There's at least two of them that way. The others are trying to forget everything they ever learned in Worldwide. And, uh, that's sad. So who knows? But we got to be totally committed, and that's what Moses was here. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. Pharaoh said, Get you from me. Take heed to yourself. See my face no more. For in that day that you see my face, you shall die. And Moses said, You have spoken well. I will see your face again no more. Don't go away and don't come back. Okay, we'll do that. And I don't want to see your ugly mug again anyhow. I want to be gone. So chapter 11, that's nine plagues now that have come on them. See, Revelation talks about the seven last plagues. Here they had ten. But there are plagues that come before that. That's just the seven last ones. I haven't counted up how many are actually in the book of Revelation. But there's a lot. Well, even the two witnesses are going to send all kinds of plagues and various things on the end. So there's going to be more plagues, I'm sure, at the end here than even were wreaked on these people. But anyway, Moses didn't see his face again as we go on through the story. <clears throat> the Eternal said to Moses, I'll bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out from here altogether. That's an important thing to remember when we get down to when they actually left. Uh, according to our former teachings, they didn't leave until uh, 24 hours after the children, the firstborn, were killed. Uh, 
because you had that day gap in there. It wasn't Passover day. It was a day off and then night to be much remembered. But here he says, when he tells you to go this time, he's going to thrust you out. Uh, you're going to go out under the threat of death this time. He will be very, very upset after what I do. And he's already warned Pharaoh back here. Remember that? we would, I think we went through it yesterday. He says, I'll kill your firstborn, your children. So he had already warned Pharaoh, and, and that hasn't happened yet. So God did warn him ahead of time. Now he said, don't you look, ever see my face again. Okay. And this time he will thrust you out. Speak now in the ears of the people, and let every man borrow or take from his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold. Now, this is a little unclear. It says they spoiled them as they were leaving. But here he says, speak now to them that they may start taking these things from these people. So they may have started taking them ahead of time, and then they finished the job as they were leaving. Here, take this. You know, get out of here. Take my gold. Take my silver. Go. Or maybe he's just telling them ahead of time that that's the way it will be. They may not have taken anything at this point, uh, but he's telling them, when we do go, spoil them as you leave. So, I don't know. It's uh, it's a little unclear. Any At any rate, we know when they left, they had all kinds of jewels and, and silver and gold and and so on, because that's what they used to build their golden calf here. <laughs> uh, misused those things. God blesses you, don't misuse it. <clears throat> anyway, the Eternal gave the people favor in the sight of the uh, Mitzriamites. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Mitzriam, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. So he was anathema at this point to uh, Pharaoh, but the people had known of Moses when he was in Pharaoh's court for 40 years. And he may have curried a great deal of favor there because of his character and his personality and the things about him. And then when he comes back and he sees all this happen, the people may have had a, an easier time understanding uh, what was going on than Pharaoh did. Pharaoh didn't want to lose everything he had. Anyway, Moses said, Thus says the Eternal, About midnight will I go out in the middle of Egypt. It wasn't a green fog and it wasn't a death angel. It was Christ himself who did this. Is that the God of love that would kill all these kids and older people? Yeah. It's a God of love that's going to devastate most of the people on the face of the earth for their own good so they can come up in the second resurrection humbled. You cannot teach human beings who are so deeply ensconced in this world about God right now. You just can't do it. They won't hear the truth. They're going to have to be humbled. And it's going to take quite a humbling. Anyway, I will go out. And all the firstborn in the land of Mitzrayim shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beasts. Now, this, this wasn't just kids. 
I'm a firstborn, <laughs> you know. I'm old. So all the firstborn, didn't matter how old you were. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Mitzrayim, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. So there were still a few beasts here. Maybe the ones that were taken inside and protected from the hail, there were still a few animals left. So it wasn't all each time, but a lot, I guess. So it said there will be a great cry throughout all the land, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. So there wouldn't be a house if someone wasn't dead. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that you may know how that the Eternal does put a difference between the Mitzrayimites and Israel. Does God make a difference between sheep and goats? Does God different make a difference between the righteous and the sinners? What does the book of Revelation say? The sinners will perish, the righteous will live. He's using that same judgment right here, and he's going to make a difference so that not even a dog will bark. Dogs bark, you know. They see something or hear something in the night, they bark. I, there's a couple of people back here. I hear their dog every once in a while. Bark in the night. It's not loud. It doesn't bother me. It's all right. But dogs do that. But God, by a miracle, these people were going to be moving around, right? They were going to leave their homes, gather all their cattle, and head out. And not even a dog would bark. Pretty, pretty uh, impressive. God makes a big difference between the righteous and the evil. He's going to do the same thing here at the end. He says he's going to have a wall of fire around his people, defend them, protect them, and uh, the world will have trouble. Verse 8, And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down themselves to me, saying, Get you out, and all the people that follow you, and after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in great anger. Well, Moses was really uptight at this point. And the Eternal said to Moses, Pharaoh shall not hearken to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Mitzrayim. So Moses warned him, and he didn't take the warning. God said he won't. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Eternal hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the children of Israel go out of his land. Let's see, do I want to get into this? It, it changes here. And if I get into this, it's going to be... Well, we've got, we've got a few minutes here. Oh, I took you a long time yesterday, didn't I? We went over time. Let's just stop at chapter 12 for tonight. And we'll see you tomorrow evening about 7.